Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline and I'm Kristen. And today we're talking about an adventure that a lot of people in our society have been on, and I have been on myself once, but with my daddy. <laughs> we're talking about car buying, folks. Car buying. As a woman, I bought a car a few years ago, and it was a major pain in the neck. I'm not gonna lie; it's because it's the largest purchase yeah. I have ever made. It's not like buying jewelry. I'm not a homeowner. I was like these thousands. Yeah, I know it's a big check. There's a lot of zeros yeah. and things. I, you might as I just picture like bringing in a briefcase of money. You know, like popping it open and <laughs> all my stacks of 20s in there. Just Monopoly money. I'd like to buy a car. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about this because there are so many uh, stereotypes. There are so many just bad things surrounding the idea of a woman buying a car, walking into a car dealership, getting treated like dirt, walking out, having been ripped off, not knowing you know any better. And so I wanted to look into this. And I come to find out, women actually are pretty darn good car shoppers. Yes. We have gotten better and will continue to get better. There was a widely circulated survey from leasetrader.com that came out in January 2012 saying, hey, guess what? Women generally get better deals with their cars than men do. Yeah, and I think it was so widely circulated because people were like, what? Women women can buy cars? They know things? It's like the same study saying that women are safer drivers. <laughs> what? what? Um, yeah, John Sternal of Lease Trader said, women not only have a larger interest in cars overall, another like giant question mark where people are like, what? What larger interest? But women today are taking a more active role in the negotiating process of a vehicle and in the car shopping process in general. And this is because we ask questions, we do research. It's a little fear-based. We're a little insecure, so we do a lot of research before we walk in there. But we walk in with our wits about us. Yeah, essentially, this idea that women are terrible car shoppers who will just get taken to the bank at the dealership has become so ingrained in our brains. We're like, you know what? I better be fully prepared. And it's starting to pay off because way back when, in our podcast on women and negotiation, of course, car shopping came up. There was a statistic we cited saying that on average, women will pay $1,300 more for a car just because they don't want to have to negotiate. Yeah. Just the prospect of haggling with someone. Just We want people to like us. We'll pay to not have to, to do it. Yeah. Um, but so all of these things, part of the negotiation is asking the right questions. And so women in this lease trader survey, they found out that women are more likely to ask about a vehicle's accident history, safety performance, and overall functionality, whereas a man is more likely to focus on aesthetics, technology, and driving an engine performance. Basically, a man walks into the dealership already confident. 
already thinking, I know what I need to know, I've got this, whatever. And they might not get as good of a deal because they haven't done all their research. Yeah, and when taking over a lease from the previous owner, this leasetrader.com survey uh, found that women ages 21 to 30 are really great about ordering inspections first to make mm-hmm. sure that the vehicle is in the condition that it should be in. 78% of these younger ladies are doing it that compared to only 42% of men in the same age group. Yeah, and one big key as far as researching is that in our research, we decide on a price before we walk in there. We're not going in. I mean, I say we. I haven't done this yet. You last, will. I will. I read this. I was like, I have a lot to do. Oh, gosh. Um, according to Kelly Blue Book, women are more likely to decide on a price before they go shopping, which equates to savings, because you're not going in there with a giant question mark above your head. You know what the average person is paying for the average fill-in-the-blank car here. So let's say, though, Caroline, let's do a little role-playing. Okay. You are going car shopping. Oh, God, I just started sweating. How do you feel? Feel feel a little nervous. Uh, I feel a little nervous. I'm wondering where my dad is. Uh, I, I want to get something small because I'm tired of paying high prices at the gas pump. And Okay, so you've, you've got all this stuff going on in your brain. You're mm-hmm. pulling into the dealership. Now, what do you expect for the salesman or the saleswoman to say to you? Um, or how do you expect to be treated, I should say? Ignored. I expect to be treated like I'm getting a pat on the head, basically. Because, I, I mean, okay, like, I already deal with that because I look like I'm 12. But people, you know, I expect salespeople to be like, aren't you cute? Are you here to buy a big car, little girl? Are you all alone? Are you all alone? So, yes, and you are not the only one who feels this way. Women have long complained about being either ignored or intimidated by salesmen who think that they can just take us for everything that yeah. we're worth. Take us for a ride. And there are all these stories that are published about like people going undercover, kind of like comparing like how a man is treated versus how a female customer is treated. And former car dealership employees who are saying, you know what? The uh, stereotype is kind of true. Yeah. For instance, in 2009, ABC News published a story about this uh, featuring Dwayne Overholt, who used to work at a dealership, and he said, quote, women are preyed upon. They're easy targets. Oh. Don't be an easy target, Carolyn. No, absolutely not. Yeah, he said that predatory dealers use scare, ta- scare tactics to squeeze more money out of female customers, the message being, you don't know anything about cars. We do. And according to this article, women typically get suckered into buying extras, which are meant to pay the difference between actual cash value of the car and the outstanding balance on your loan or lease. So they might talk you, try to talk you into getting a special protective coating on your cloth in the car or stripes. Don't you want pinstripes? Don't you want flames on the side of your car? Or they might treat a standard option when they're talking up the car Mm -hmm. as a specialty feature that you will pay a little bit more for. So what do you do? Car and Driver uh, featured a story written by Michael Feehan, who was a reformed dealership scammer, who says, really, do your research, which is great because Mm -hmm. it sounds like women are getting great about doing their research. Find your needs, find your budget, it and have that price in mind and shop around. Yeah. And be sure you let them know you're shopping around. 
Uh, yeah, turn your nose up at them if they're like, you know, assuming that you're going to get a car here today with us. But don't let them know exactly where you're looking. Be vague. And don't buy today. Don't, you know, don't go in thinking, I've got to get a car. I've got to get a car. I'm going to get it today. Because that takes the pressure off of you. It, it makes the whole situation less stressful. But if you do get an offer at a dealership, get it in writing. And if they won't give it to you in writing, walk away. Walk away. Uh, so now that we are, uh, we, we've established that women are good and getting better at car shopping, we are taking the reins of negotiation. Once we uh, have selected our cars, not so surprisingly, there are some gender differences in the types of cars that men and women are drawn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TrueCar.com did a study and found that women prefer to purchase small cars and crossovers, typically from foreign automakers. And the VW Beetle is a good good example. It was the car most likely to be purchased by a woman in 2010. Just over 56% of the buyers registering a new Beetle were women. And yeah, that's typically been when you think of gendered car buying. It's typically called like a girl car. Mm -hmm. I hate that term. Girl car. Yeah. Now, what are men drawn to? Uh, take a wild guess. Trucks. Yeah, just like when they were kids playing with their cars. <laughs> men like trucks and sportier models of cars. Yeah, in 2010, the highest percentage of male registrations leaned toward expensive exotic brands like Bugatti, 100% male registered vehicles, Ferrari, 94.4%, and Lamborghini, 93.5%. I would love to hear... <laughs> From any of our female listeners who might be driving a Lamborghini. I bet they're out there. Yeah, and it's not saying that these are the t- those are the top three brands of cars that men drive. It's Obviously. Just, yeah, there aren't the, a lot of Bugattis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just who is uh, who makes up the, the buyers of those specific cars. Right. But uh, in the, m- the more uh, m- mid-market level, uh, in 2010, men tended to register trucks from GM, Chrysler, and Toyota at far higher rates than women. But speaking of car registration, mm-hmm. even though women are responsible for something like 62% of new car purchases, a majority of cars are registered still under men's names. A lot of that has to do with like my situation when I was younger and my car got totaled and so my dad took me to the dealership. He, it was my car. He was buying it, obviously, but it was registered in his name. So there's a lot of situations where women are going with their husbands or their fathers or whatever uh, to the dealership to get these cars. And so they point out, okay, so the you know women make up the largest uh, registrants for these smaller cars, these crossovers, these small SUVs, whatever. That might have a lot to do with the fact that the women who are going on their own are going in for those lower-priced vehicles. Does that make sense? Because the cars registered to women sell in the low 20000 range and are probably going to women in their 20s and 30s who are single or don't have large families. But still, let's get back to price. Because we go for these economical models. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBS News cited a 2011 study out of the University of California, which found that women still tend to pay slightly more than men for the same model of car. Not a huge amount, though. It's not an astronomical gap that you might expect. Mm -hmm. The price difference disappeared, though, when people shopped online. Uh, That was a 0.2% price difference. And I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, I don't know anything about buying a car online. I mean, I buy, like, clothes online. 
I found or home items. I found my car on Craigslist. You did? Yep. Huh. I mean, I was on there looking up misconnections, seeing <laughs> if anything was out there, uh-huh. and then I found my car. <laughs> the car posted a misconnection. Yeah, <laughs> it was like I saw you, this tall brunette, walk in the room, <laughs> seeking sassy brunette. <laughs> Um, so along these same lines, a 2002 study from the Federal Trade Commission found that mediating transactions through the Internet removes important cues that sale- salespeople can use to assess a consumer's willingness to pay. And that includes gender. That includes race. That includes age. That's all that stuff. And they found that the Internet is disproportionately beneficial to those who have personal characteristics that per- put them at a disadvantage in negotiating, particularly women African-Americans, and Hispanic people. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about gender, though, but speaking briefly on race, there was a 1995 study out of Yale Law School in which they sent uh, pairs of people, it was always a white guy and either a white female, a black woman, or a black guy, out to something like 200 different dealerships around Chicago to see what prices they would be quoted for the exact same car. And this is the final price after negotiations. Black men were the the highest scammed. Hmm. That makes sense. Like they were charged the most. So and and below that, black women and then white females. So there's also a racial element too. Absolutely. That could be worth um exploring. Again, a little bit dated, but I was I still found the that yeah. conclusion compelling. So I guess we should, should we all just shop online? I don't even know what that entails. Would someone write in and tell me how to buy a car online? If it's my dad, that's fine. Well, Shopping online would include things like checking reviews on sites like Edmunds, Kelly Blue Book, HowStuffWorks.com has an extensive auto section, plugging the website, uh, and U.S. News and World Report always publishes the best cars of the year. You can look up things like that just to whittle down what you like, yeah. and especially finding different years of cars, because cars can be like bottles of wine, Caroline. <laughs> Some years will be better than others. <laughs> My, yes, yes, that's true. My first car I inherited from my parents. They bought it new in 1988, and I inherited it when I turned 16. Sweet. Apparently, the 1988 paint for that car what was color? bad. It was maroon, but all of those cars from that year, like, the paint on the hood just started disappearing. Like, the hood was just metal. So almost. you had a pretty sweet ride, is what Pretty, pretty sweet ride. Well, yeah, after my parents... Paid money to to snazz it up. They pimped my my parents pimped my ride, and then it was totaled by a stupid woman. My first car was a 1979 butter yellow Mercedes. <gasps> I remember had, that car. Yeah, it had matching butter yellow uh, hubcaps, uh-huh. and it could not go over 60 miles an hour <laughs> without violently shaking. Ooh, yeah. That was probably like the safety feature my parents were looking for. It was a <laughs> tank that could only go slow. That's fair. Did you inherit that or did they get it for you? Uh, I inherited it from a sibling. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. It's pretty sweet. Ride. I bet you were like attracting all the boys in that car. They were like, look at that amazing exotic car. Well, I, got, I drove it uh, into college, not into my, <laughs> the building of my college, uh-huh. but while I was in college, it was just slowly breaking down, like uh, bit by bit, The uh, all the windows couldn't roll down, the AC was gone, oh, and on. then the final straw was when uh, something in the engine <laughs> had uh, broken to where I would, turn the car 
off, okay, in the off position, take the keys out, the car would still be running. I would then have to pop the trunk, get in the hood. It is also summertime at this point when this is happening, and and stop the car, like press on this lever until the car stopped. Um, yes. That's terrifying. It was it was an adventure, but I loved that car. Anyway, back to car shopping. <laughs> yeah, um, some good tips that CBS... I just want to keep talking about your car. Uh, some good tips that CBS News have are to... Like we said, we're harping on this. Set your price target. Look at TrueCar.com and Edmunds.com to see the average selling price for the model you want in your area... And really stick to it. Determine not to pay above that average unless there's special circumstances like you have to have a pink, glittery, you know, helicopter car. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. What's Mariah Carey driving these days? If you have special needs, you might end up paying more. They also recommend getting competing bids without visiting dealerships. Uh, they recommend a service like CarWoo.com. It charges you a fee, but it gets bids from three dealers on exactly the model you want. And there are also broker services, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps through uh, the car loan bank or credit union that you go through. A lot mm-hmm. of them will have uh, attached services where someone will go out and find the car that you want. But again, you might have to pay for that. But it's, it seems like, to summarize... The podcast with the car shopping mm-hmm. and for you to take with you, Caroline. I need it. What is it? The internet is your friend. Yes. You can't do enough research on the internet. Correct. And confidence is key. Yes. I'm going to wear comfortable clothes, bit maybe business cash. Yeah. Walk in there like I own the place. Wear some sensible khakis. Yeah. I'm not it. Maybe I won't make eye contact. Maybe that'll make them nervous. So, Caroline, do you feel more empowered now? I do, but I don't want to do car homework. Can I pay someone to do the homework for me and just tell me the high points? Uh, you could pay me. I'll give you $5. <sighs> Never mind. Okay. Offer. Hugs, hugs. I'll make you a sandwich. That's worse. Aww. <laughs> it's not nice. Well, let's, let's, let's negotiate off. Off the podcast. Okay. okay. We'll, All right. we'll work out. on this later. So if anyone has uh, car shopping tips out there to send Caroline, um, please let us know. And also, uh, car horror stories. People out there, have you experienced these stereotypes of being taken at the dealership? Uh, let us know. Anything related to car. Cars, cars, cars. That's what we <laughs> want to hear about. Yada, yada, yada. You can send us your letters at momstuffatdiscovery.com, or you can also head over to Facebook and leave a comment over there. And in the meantime, we got a couple of letters. This first one is about our podcast, Summer Short on Summer Camp. And this is about Sally, who was 12 years old, who went to a week-long Christian summer camp. Uh, she was very nervous about going, and uh, the day before leaving, she writes, my mom helped me pack my bag, which only increased my unease about going to camp. To my horror, my mom insisted on packing a few pads. Maxi pads. I was mortified. I didn't even want to think about getting my first period, let alone while at camp. My parents dropped me off at camp the next morning, and I did make a couple of friends in my cabin right away. I got the camp tour, swam in the pool, learned all the silly games played during meal times. But by the next morning, I felt sick. My stomach hurt, my back ached, and I had a low fever. 
After a few hours lying down in the nurse's cabin, my parents were called and my grandparents were sent to pick me up. Once at my grandparents' house, I went to the bathroom and discovered that I had gotten my first period. I quickly ran to my bag, rummaged around for one of the pads, and did my best to put it on correctly. When my parents picked me up the next day, my mom made a comment about how I had worried myself sick. I sat in the backseat of the car fuming all the way home until I could pull her aside for a private conversation. I angrily told her that I did not worry myself sick, but that I had gotten my first period. She felt bad earlier for her comment, but couldn't help but tell me I told you so about the maxi pads. <laughs> so thank you, Sally. Oh, Mom. I told you so about those maxi pads. This is an email from Mackenzie about our archaeology podcast, and it gives me great hope for the future. And obviously, I am totally jealous of her. Okay. Because you love archaeology, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, she says, I graduated from the University of Evansville with a BA in archaeology. My college is one of very few universities in the U.S. that offers a BA in the field. Usually you go via anthropology, which is why I ultimately chose to attend. I've been fascinated by archaeology since elementary school, though oddly I never saw an Indiana Jones movie until college. While I ended up not working in the field, I loved my time studying archaeology at UE and was one of many, many women in my major. We were never made to feel like we had less potential than our male classmates, either by our professors or the male students themselves, and were always encouraged to get dirty, gain experience, and learn. One of, one of our professors happens to be Dr. Jenny Ebeling, who you cited in the podcast. She was my faculty advisor and is generally an amazing, funny, brilliant person, a major inspiration to all students in the UE archaeology program, regardless of gender. So I am very excited about the future of archaeology with all these ladies. Yes. Uh, and that's all that we've got for you today. Find us on Facebook. Send us an email, momstuffatdiscovery.com. And follow us on Twitter, why don't you? We're at MomStuffPodcast. And if you are looking for a new car, like I mentioned, there is a extensive auto section on our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?